book six chapter eight of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter eight the idea that evadne was naturally unsociable was pretty general and colonel cahoon believed it as much as anybody i remember being at as you like it one afternoon when he rallied her on the subject he had stopped me as i was driving past to ask me to look at a horse he was thinking of buying the animal was being trotted up and down the approach by a groom for our inspection when evadne returned from somewhere driving herself she pulled up beside us and got out i never see you driving any of your friends about colonel cahoon remarked you're very unsociable evadne oh well you see she answered slowly i like to be alone and think when i am driving it worries me to have to talk to people as a rule well he said glancing at the reeking pony if your thoughts went as fast as blue mick seems to have done to-day you must have got through a good deal of thinking in the time evadne looked at the pony take him round she said to the groom and then she remarked that it must be tea-time and asked us both to go in and have some the air had brought a delicate tinge of colour to her usually pale cheeks and she looked bright and bonny as she sat beside the tea-table taking off her gloves and chatting with her hat pushed slightly up from her forehead it was an expansive moment with her one of the rare ones when she unconsciously revealed something of herself in her conversation there were some flowers on the tea-table which i admired ah she said with a sigh of satisfaction in their beauty i derive all my pleasure in life from things inanimate an arrangement of deep-toned marigolds with brown centres in a glass like these all aglow beneath the maiden hair gives me more pleasure than anything else i can think of at this moment not more pleasure than your friends do i ventured i don't know she replied in the matter of love surgit amari a liquid friends disappoint us but in the contemplation of flowers all our finer feelings are stimulated and blended and yet there is no excess of feeling to end in regrets or a painful reaction when the flowers fade we cheerfully gather fresh ones but i hope i do not undervalue my friends she broke off i only mean to say when you think of all the uncertainties of life of sickness and death and other things more dreadful which overtake our dearest do what we will to protect them and then that worst thing whether it be ourselves or others i mean change when you think of it all surely it is well to turn to some delicate source of delight like this for relief and to forget and she curved her slender hand round the flowers caressingly looking up to me at the same time as if she were pleading to be allowed to have her own way i did not remonstrate with her i hardly knew the danger then myself of refusing to suffer it was some weeks before i saw her again after that i had been busy but one day as i was driving into morningquest i overtook her on the road 
walking in the same direction i was in a close carriage but i pulled the check-string as soon as i recognized her and got out she turned when she heard the carriage stop and seeing me alight came forward and shook hands she looked wan and weary those are fine horses of yours was her smileless greeting how are you have you been having a burst i said she was quite five miles from home she looked up and down the road for answer and affected to laugh but i could see that she was not at all in a laughing mood and also that she was already over fatigued i thought of begging to be allowed to drive her back but then it occurred to me that even if she consented which was not likely as she had a perfect horror of giving trouble and would never have been persuaded that i was not going out of my way at the greatest personal inconvenience merely to pay her a polite attention but even if she had consented she would probably have had to spend the rest of the day alone in that great west window with nothing to take her out of herself and nothing more enlivening to look at than dreary winter fields under a sombre sky and that would not do at all a better idea however occurred to me i am going to see mrs orton beg i said she is not very well evadne had been staring blandly at the level landscape but she turned to me when i spoke and some interest came into her eyes have you seen her lately i continued no she answered as if she were considering not for some time come now i boldly suggested it will do her good i won't talk if you want to think i added her face melted into a smile at this and on seeing her stiffness relax i wasted no more time in persuasion but returned to the carriage and held the door open for her she followed me slowly although she looked as if she had not quite made up her mind and got in but still as if she were hesitating once she was seated however i could see that she was not sorry she had yielded and presently she acknowledged as much herself i believe i was tired she said rest now then i answered taking a paper out of my pocket she settled herself more luxuriously in her corner put her arm in the strap and looked out through the open window the day was mild though murky the sky was leaden gray we rolled through the wintry landscape rapidly brown hedgerows leafless trees ploughed fields a crow two crows a whole flock home returning from their feeding ground scattered cottages a woman at a door looking out with a child in her arms three boys swinging on a gate a man trudging along with a bundle a labourer trimming a bank mist rising in the low-lying meadows grazing cattle nibbling sheep but she did not see these things at first any of them she was thinking then she began to see and forgot to think then her fatigue wore off and a sense of relief of ease and of well-being generally took gradual possession of her i could see the change come into her countenance and before we had arrived in morning quest she had begun to talk to me cheerfully of her own accord we had to skirt the old gray walls which surrounded the palace gardens and as we did so she looked up at them indifferently at first but immediately afterward with a sudden flash of recognition she said nothing 
but i could see she drew herself together as if she had been hurt do you go there often i asked her no edith died there and then that child she answered looking at me as if she were surprised that i should have thought it likely she shrinks from sorrowful associations and painful sights i thought but i did not know when i asked the question that our poor edith had been a particular friend of hers we stopped the next moment at mrs orton Bakes, and she leant forward to look at the windows smiling and brightening again i helped her out and followed her to the door which she opened as if she were at home there she waited for me for a moment in the hall till i put my hat down and then we went to the drawing-room together and walked in the same familiar way mrs orton Begg was there with another lady a stout but very comely person handsomely dressed who seemed to have just risen to take her leave the moment evadne saw this lady she sprang forward oh mother she cried throwing her arms round her neck evadne my dear dear child the lady exclaimed clasping her close and kissing her and then holding her off to look at her why my child how thin you are and pale and weak oh mother i am so glad i am so glad evadne cried again nestling close up to her and kissing her neck and then she laid her head on her bosom and burst into hysterical sobs i instantly left the room and mrs orton Begg followed me they have not met since just after evadne's marriage she explained to me evadne offended her father and there still seems to be no hope of a reconciliation but surely it is cruel to separate mother and child i exclaimed indignantly he has no right to do that no and he would not be able to do it with one of us she answered bitterly but my sister is of a yielding disposition she is like mrs beale one of the old-fashioned womanly women who thought it their duty to submit to everything and make the best of everything including injustice and any other vice it pleased their lords to practice but for this weakness of good women the world would be a brighter and better place by this time we see the disastrous folly of submitting our reason to the rule of self-indulgence and self-interest now however and please god we shall change all that before i die he will be a bold man soon who will dare to have the impertinence to dictate to us to what we should or should not do or think or say no one can pretend that the old system of husband and master has answered well and it has had a fair trial let us hope that the new method of partnership will be more successful yes indeed i answered earnestly mrs orton Begg looked up in my face and her own countenance cleared you and evadne seem to be very good friends she said i am so glad then she looked up at me again with a curious little smile which i could not interpret does she remind you of anybody of anything ever she asked why surely she is like you i said seeing a likeness for the first time yes she answered in a more indifferent tone there is a likeness i am told i tried afterward to think that this explained the haunting half-recollection i seemed to have of something about evadne but it did not 
on the contrary it reawakened and confirmed the feeling that i had seen evadne before i knew who she was under circumstances which i now fail to recall thinking she would like to be alone after that interview with her mother i left the carriage for her and walked back to fountain towers and the state i was in after doing the ten miles warned me that i might be luxuriating too much in carriages lately and must begin to practice what i preached again in the way of exercise if i did not wish to lay up a fat and flabby old age for myself i made a point of not seeing evadne for some little time after that event so that she might not feel bound to refer to it in case she should shrink from doing so but the next time we met as it happened i had another glimpse of her feeling for her friends which showed me how very much mistaken i had been in my estimate of the depth of her affections it was at as you like it i had walked over from fountain towers and dropped in casually to ask for some tea and colonel cahoon arriving at the same moment from barracks we went up to the drawing-room together and found evadne in her accustomed place busy with her embroidery as usual she shook hands but said nothing to show that she was aware of the interval there had been since she last saw me when she sat down again however she went on with her work and there was a certain satisfied look in her face as if some little wish had been gratified and she was content i knew when she took up her work that she liked me to be there and wanted me to stay for she always put it down when visitors she did not care for called and made a business of entertaining them but we had scarcely settled ourselves to talk when the butler opened the door and announced mr bertram frayling and a tall slender remarkably handsome young fellow with a strong family likeness to evadne herself entered with boyish diffidence smiling nervously but looking important too evadne jumped up impetuously bertram she exclaimed holding out her arms to him why what a big fellow you have grown she cried finding she could hardly reach to his neck to hug him and how handsome you are they say i am just like you he answered looking down at her lovingly with his arms around her waist neither of them took any notice of us this is your birthday dear evadne said i have been thinking of you the whole day long i always keep all the birthdays did you remember mine i don't think i did he answered honestly but this is my twenty-first birthday evadne and that's how it is i am here i am my own master from to-day and the first thing you do with your liberty is to come and see your sister said colonel cahoon you're made of the right stuff my boy and he shook hands with him heartily evadne clung with one hand to his shoulder and pressed her handkerchief first to this eye and then to that alternately with the other looking so glad however at the same time that it was impossible to say whether she was going to laugh or cry for joy but aren't there rejoicings she asked oh yes he answered but i told my father if you were not asked i should not stay for them i was determined to see you to-day he flushed boyishly as he spoke and smiled round upon us all again but wasn't he very angry evadne said yes 
her brother answered twinkling the girls got round him and tried to persuade him but they only made him worse especially when they all declared that when they came of age they meant to do something too he said that he was afflicted with the most obstinate ill-conditioned family in the county and began to row mother as if it were her fault but i wouldn't stand that you are right bertram evadne exclaimed clenching her hands now that you are a man never let mother be made miserable did she know you were coming yes and was very glad he answered and sent you messages but here colonel cahoon and i managed to slip from the room evadne sent her brother back that day to grace the close of the festivities in his honour but he returned the following week and stayed at as you like it and also with me when he confirmed my first exceedingly good impression of him evadne quite wakened up under his influence but unfortunately for her he went abroad in a few weeks for a two years trip round the world and i think losing him again so soon made it almost worse for her than if they had never been reunited especially as another and irreparable loss came upon her immediately after his departure this was the sudden death of her mother the news of which arrived one day in a curt note written by her father to colonel cahoon no previous intimation of illness having been sent to break the shock of the announcement i can never be thankful enough for the happy chance which brought about that last accidental meeting of evadne with her mother but for that they would not have seen each other again and i had the pleasure of learning eventually that the perfect understanding which they arrived at during the few hours they spent together on that occasion afterward became one of the most comforting recollections of evadne's life a hallowed memory as she herself expressed it such as it is very good for us to cherish thank heaven for the opportunity which renewed and intensified my appreciation of my mother's love and goodness so as to make my last impression of her one which must stand out distinctly forever from the rest and be always a joyful sorrow to recall do you know what a joyful sorrow is ah something that makes one feel warm and forgiving in the midst of one's regrets a delicious feeling when it takes possession of you you cease to be hard and cold and fierce and want to do good mrs frayling died of a disease for which we have a remedy nowadays or to speak plainly she died for want of proper treatment her husband gloried in what he called a rooted objection to new-fangled notions and would not send for a modern practitioner even when the case became serious preferring to confide it entirely to a very worthy old gentleman of his own way of thinking with one qualification who had attended his household successfully for twenty-four years during which time only one other member of his family had ever been seriously ill and he also had died but i hope and believe that my poor little lady never knew the truth about her mother's last illness she was overwhelmed with grief as it was and it cut one to the quick to see her day after day in her black dress sitting alone pale and still and uncomplaining her invariable attitude when she was deeply distressed and not to be able to say a word or do a thing to relieve her 
as usual at that time of the year everybody whom she cared to see at all was away except myself so that during the dreariest of the winter months she was shut up with her grief in the most unwholesome isolation as the spring returned however she began to revive and then suddenly it appeared to me that she entered upon a new phase altogether End of book six, chapter eight.